Take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Brother Jackie, good to see you, sir. My friend Jackie Rutherford is here. Appreciate my friend being here today. Amen. And all of you, I see some faces that I know and some faces that I don't know, and I hope to get to meet you before you leave today. We're very, very honored that you've come to worship with us today. Amen. What a great move of the Holy Ghost today. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Let's give that praise team a great hand, leading us in worship. Thank you, Brother Jason, Sister Courtney. Amen. I appreciate people who don't just sing about the Lord, but they worship the Lord while they're singing. Amen. I appreciate them so very, very much. We are thankful, Sister Gaddy and I are thankful to be back from our national conference. We had a great week, saw a lot of friends. We're in some great, great services. Several here were in that conference as well, but there's no place like Cabot. All roads point to Cabot. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to Cabot. I think that's in the Bible somewhere. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37. This is to some in this room a familiar passage of scripture. Peter has preached a message at the day of Pentecost. And it must have been a pretty good heart-wrenching message because the 37th verse says, now when they heard this, when they heard the message, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We've heard it. We're convicted. We know we need to change. What do we have to do in this message? Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Now here's the response to his preaching. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Can you imagine having that injection of church growth after one sermon? That's pretty good. Now how many of you have been in church long enough to remember the days of the attendance boards that used to hang on the walls? In my home church, it hung on the wall of the platform. So at any given moment in the service, you could see, now some, raise your hand again if you know what I'm talking about. You could see what the attendance was today, what the attendance was perhaps last week. I've seen some that even refer to the record attendance. Try to motivate. And how many of you, have you ever seen the one that has the offering for the day? Ooh, I felt something just kind of sweep in here right now. You think we need to reinstitute the attendance board? <laughs> Somebody got nervous right there. But can you imagine that attendance going from whatever it was to 3,000 plus whatever it was? That's a pretty good, pretty good day. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together, had all things common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them 
among all as anyone who had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Late last year in 2020, as I typically do, I take a few weeks and I try to quiet myself and seek the hand of the Lord and the, really the face of God, not the hand of the Lord, but the face of God for what he wants to speak to our church in the coming year. Now, I will say one of the things I'm learning, I haven't got this learned yet, but I'm learning is that God is not bound by our calendar. So there is nothing more inherently spiritual about January than November. But for our frame of putting things together and planning, it's usually at the end of one year that I will begin to pray and ask the Lord what he wants to speak. And it was in November, early December of last year that the Lord dealt with me about the subject that I will speak of today. I want to talk about kingdom connections and specifically fellowship. Everybody, take a, just a moment right now. Say it to the person near you and then say it to one other person. Say fellowship. It reads like a priority list <clears throat> for a church. Verse 40, it's called exhortation or preaching. Verse 41, baptism. Verse 42, doctrine. Or another word that can be substituted for that is the word teaching. Verse 42, breaking bread together. Still in verse 42, prayer Verse 43, signs and wonders. Verse 44, unity. Verse 45, giving. Verse 47, praise. In fact, in full disclosure, this list that I just mentioned, preaching, baptism, teaching, breaking bread together, prayer, signs and wonders, unity, giving and praise. That list from those few short verses in Acts 2 is the list by which I as a pastor measure the pattern and the priority for this local church. If you ever wonder what do I deem a success for a local church, you ready? I'm going to tell you something that you probably didn't expect a preacher to say. It is not simply people in chairs. Now you notice that what I didn't say. I didn't say it doesn't matter to me if people come to church. It matters very much to me that we come to church. Because the scripture says we ought to not forsake assembling together. So much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. But that is the not, not the only gauge whereby we look at the success of a local church. In fact, it is from that list. I often ask myself, are we preaching? Are we baptizing? Are we teaching? Are we breaking bread together? Are we praying? Are there signs and wonders being done? Are we unified? Are we giving? Is there praise coming up from the people of God? It is a, a great list. It's a powerful list. 
Can I say it like this? It's a priority list for God's church. However, sandwiched in the middle of this all-important list is an element of life that is sometimes overlooked and too often, in my opinion, misunderstood. It's in verse 42 where the scripture simply says, they, the early church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. That's an interesting word, fellowship. If you look at the suffix ship, it literally means the condition or the state of being something. And then when you add the word fellows to it, fellows is a person in the same position, involved in the same activity, or otherwise associated with another. And so aptly put, simply by definition, fellowship is the condition or state of fellows. I want you to notice something about this all-important word. This word, and more than that, this definition, speaks of the need for relationship. Relationship is absolutely crucial in God's church. Oh, pastor, I am not an extrovert. I am an introvert. I'm soft-spoken. I don't need the energy of people. You ever met anybody? They needed the energy of people. They had, I see some people pointing at others right now. They need people around all the time. They need people in their face. They need people talking to them. They need to be texting people. They need to be calling people. They need to be interacting on social media. They just need people. They have a need for interaction. That's not, I'm not putting that down. That's just some people. But how many of you who are not like, not like that, it drives you crazy? Nah. Anybody in here, you want to just give me a room and leave me alone? Shh. Stop talking. But this powerful word called fellowship demands... Relationship. Jesus modeled this as really the ultimate example when he chose disciples to live his life with. He chose men that he would example to and he would interact with them and they walked along the seashore together and they ate meals together and they yes they saw the blind eyes open and the deaf ears unstopped and the dumb tongue loose they they saw all of that the dead raised to life but more than that it was more than just a job they didn't punch a time clock somewhere but they shared their lives together Jesus teaches us that some in fellowship can do more than one singularly. We need others in God's church. We need one another in God's church. We must have fellowship. Amen. Amen. 
you look at the original rendering of the word fellowship, in the original language the New Testament was written in, it's a really fluid word called koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. When the word fellowship primarily is used in the New Testament, it is this word, koinonia. It refers to an association, a community, a participation. And just as there are priorities that I referenced a little bit ago in kingdom living, in living in the kingdom of God, God's intended plan for relationships in his kingdom is this thing called fellowship. I want to say that one more time. God's intended plan for relationships, connection, in his kingdom, the church, is this thing called fellowship. Now, I told you just a few moments ago, I believe that fellowship is not talked about enough, and I do think it is misunderstood at times. Uh, let me tell you where I think this, this fault belongs. It is easy sometimes as a service leader, and I've done this for a few years now, uh, to misuse the word fellowship like this. You've maybe heard me say this before. Before we get to the preaching today, I want you to turn and just fellowship with two or three people around you. I'm just confessing, that's a misuse of the word. Because it is hard to live life with one another in 15 seconds. In fact, it's not even possible. What I should say, this is a, a training class for our service leaders right now. What we should say is turn and greet one another right now. Say hi to one. Because just shaking hands with somebody when you walk through the door, that's not fellowship. Just saying hi, patting someone on the back, giving them a fist bump, daring to shake their hands, hug their neck, whatever the case may be. That is greeting. That's coming into high pleasantries. That's what that is. But fellowship is much deeper than that. And fellowship is so necessary and so important in a kingdom life. See, fellowship differs from mere friendship. Fellowship and friendship are not the same thing. Friendship is based on shared interests and station of life. But let me give you what I believe the Bible teaches about this all-important thing called fellowship. Everyone turn to someone and say, you need to hear this right now. Here we go, ready? Everybody look right here at the short preacher on the platform. Number one, fellowship is spirit-originated and it is Jesus-centered. Fellowship is spirit-originated and it is Jesus-centered. 1 John chapter number 5, or 1 rather, in verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to notice that the word fellowship is right next to the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin. That tells me that this is a very important principle. This is something that rises far beyond friendship, far beyond shaking a hand. There's something about this communion that is originated by the Holy Ghost. And is Jesus-centered. He said, if we walk in the light, the light is truth. you find that in Scripture. In fact, the first reference to that word light in, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16, the people which sat in darkness 
Matthew is, is quoting, Jesus rather is speaking of what Isaiah said in chapter 9. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, speaking of a coming Messiah. And to them which sat in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. There is something about walking in the Holy Ghost. There's something about walking in the gospel. There's something about being so Jesus-centered that sets us up for far greater experiences than just friendship. It's fellowship. It is God-originated, Holy Spirit-infused connection. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, Paul is finishing his second letter to the Corinthians and he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, watch this, and the communion, koinonia, fellowship, of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Fellowship comes from the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 1 in verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You are always in every prayer of mine making requests for you uh, with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There is something about when people come around common gospel that produces connection. There's something about when the Holy Spirit knits hearts together that is so much greater than having a friend. I now, can I say it like this? I now have a fellowship. A, a spirit-originated, Jesus Christ-centered connection with somebody. I was on my way to the church this morning driving from my house. And I started thinking about this past week. We've been at the conference and many, many, probably seven, 8,000 people there. And I started thinking about three of my closest friends. And some of them, in fact, one of them will be here for our dedication week. I'm so excited, Brother Jimmy Tony's going to be here. In fact, two of them are going to be here. Kent Elliott's going to be here from Connecticut as well. These are guys that I literally share my life with. And I text all three of them. We're on a text thread. And I text them this morning and told them a little bit about what I was going to be preaching. And I said, I want to thank you guys for not just being friends of mine but that we are in fellowship with one another. We believe the same gospel. The Holy Ghost brought us together. See, fellowship is so much more than shared interests. It is originated through the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. Can I just tell you something? Somebody in here, you know this is true. There's a difference when you have a friend who God brought in your life. Because that goes beyond friendship and comes to fellowship. It is a spirit-originated connection. It is a Jesus-centered connection. And can I tell everybody in this room, we all need that in our lives. Let, let me just make it plain. We don't need more friends. We need fellowship. Something that the spirit originates, that centers around the gospel. I'll say more about that. Here in just a little bit. Fellowship, the Bible teaches, with unrighteousness is not God's plan. Everybody read that. Is that on the screen? Fellowship, read it with me. Fellowship with unrighteousness is not God's plan. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 14, Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness 
with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Notice the inference here, although not stated, is they don't have connection. Verse 15, what accord has Christ with Belial or a false god? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Now, I want to confront something that can be very misunderstood about this preaching subject today. Perhaps you're in this house, and I don't know, you may think, well, pastor, I hear you saying that fellowship is so very important, and we don't just need friends, we need fellowship, and are you trying to preach this communal life where the church kind of becomes centered upon themselves, and we just love one another, and we never look outside of ourselves? No, I'm not teaching that at all. In fact, that would be an ignorance of discipleship, which is absolutely the commission of Jesus Christ. We are called to make disciples we are called to have friends in the world unbelievers that we are reaching for and exampling the life of Jesus Christ please don't misunderstand me but he is teaching here Paul is teaching here in this passage in 2nd Corinthians 6 that when it comes to the spirits being knit together when it comes to the sharing of life it is not God's plan for a Holy Spirit filled person to share that substance with an unbeliever. Amen. Do not be unequally yoked, he says. What is he teaching here? He's speaking of fellowship. You can't take righteousness and mix it with lawlessness and communion and mix it with darkness or Christ with Belial or you can't have the agreement that's necessary with the temple of God and idols. He's speaking of the great need in our life for fellowship. And really, we got to get this. Fellowship with unrighteousness is not God's plan. I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak it today. It's not God's plan for people to be unequally yoked in spirit together. It's not God's plan. How many believe God does have a plan? How many believe there is a plan that God sets up in Scripture? It's not God's intended plan for us to be spirit joined with, with an unbeliever. This is why it's very important that we receive counsel about our decision making. That we not arbitrarily trust my flesh and think, well, I know best and nobody's going to tell me. Can I just tell you something? When I get that attitude, I am on dangerous ground. When I say, I know best, I don't need anybody to tell me, I'm just going to make the decision and then inform people later on. No, when it comes to our spirit man, when it comes to our spirit life, there is teaching in scripture that says, make sure it is spirit originated and Jesus centered. We need that state of being to be with fellows, fellowship. Number four, fellowship like any other priority of the church, must be committed to. I want you to see a verse of scripture in, in Acts chapter 2. It's the last verse of that chapter. And I'm going to read it from the New International Version. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Look at what it says. After it lists all the characteristics of the early church, the, the guide by which we measure the church, 
it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, this is, this is interesting to me because I think it's probably pretty fairly understood that they devoted themselves to teaching because there was a lot of that going on. Peter was teaching. Peter was preaching. And I think there's not a person in here that would say that's, that, that's, that's what they did. They devoted themselves to teaching. But I want you to notice something. The Bible says they also devoted themselves or committed themselves to fellowship. Which means they thought about fellowship. They planned for fellowship. They proactively acted and exerted themselves in ways that would make sure there is a connection of life with other believers. I think I've told this story before, and in 22 years of pastoring, probably yes. But I'll say it again. When I was a student pastor years ago, we had a young lady in our, our uh, youth group who just had a really hard time with certain things that I would teach from the Bible. And it wasn't that she was a bad girl. She wasn't a bad girl. She just kind of had a natural antagonistic personality. I'm being real nice when I say that right now. And so I would teach and she would come up and say, yeah, eh, I don't know. And, you know, I was young in the ministry. I'm trying to love, honor, and come on, baby, you, you, just follow the word. And, and it just kept on, and it kept on, and it kept on. Well, after a while, grace wears a little thin. <laughs> and um, she'd been baptized or filled with the Spirit. And, and so she, she came for the umpteenth time into my office one Sunday evening after service, and I guess I'd taught something that morning that she didn't like. And so she sat across the desk from me and she said, Brother Gaddy, and just the way she said, Brother Gaddy, <laughs> let me know this is not going to be positive. <laughs> In fact, let me just pause here for just a moment. If you ever make an appointment with me to talk to me, when you start, just start with Brother Gaddy, <laughs> Pastor. If you lean across that desk and say, Pastor, oh no, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm meddling now. So she, she sat across the desk from me. She said, Brother Gaddy, and she started in. And I'm going to say it was the Holy Spirit that, that prompted me to say this, because it wasn't me. I, I couldn't think this fast. And I, said, I called her by name, and I said, i tell you what you need to do. Like, I interrupted her. That surprised her. And she said, really? What do you think I need to do? I said, I think you need to teach a home Bible study. Two, and I named a girl that had been coming, new girl that had been coming. I said, I think you need to teach her a home Bible study. And she looked at me like I had three eyes and three ears. She said, me? Teach her a home Bible study? I said, yes. I said, in fact, I'll give you a chart and pull your Bible out, and I think you need to teach her a Bible study. 
And she, it was like she didn't hear me. She said, you mean me? I said, yes. I call, yes, you. And I don't know. I don't know if it was the persuasion of my voice or what. She actually agreed to do that. And so for the next three or four weeks, she didn't tell me when it was, but she would, she would come back afterwards. She didn't tell me when it was going to be. She'd come back afterwards and say, I taught a lesson today. I said, that's great. That's great. And it was so amazing what happened in the church services. Now, how many of you know, Brother Chris, can I have a chair? Can you grab me a chair and bring it up here? How many of you know that you can tell an awful lot about what someone thinks about church by how they sit in church? Thank you. Shout like the weight has been lifted. (sighs) Now, it was funny because when I said that a second ago, you can tell an awful lot about what someone thinks about church by how they sit in church. I saw it happen. Everybody kind of sat up straight. (laughs) But juxtapose that posture with people that use the front quarter of their chair. And they're waiting on anything to be said to amen. You ever met these people before? I could stand up and say, blueberries are on sale at Kroger this week. Amen! Preach! So, this young lady teaching the Bible, I watched it happen in church she actually started worshiping in church. And her friend next to her, like, went like that. It's like, she is just, her friend raised her hand. And the more she went on investing and sharing her life with someone, discipling someone, and understanding this is not about me. I'm not a lone ranger. I'm not a maverick. I'm not intended by God to live by myself. But there is something about my need for others. It changed her posture. It changed her behavior. And she won that girl to the Lord. Now, because the Spirit originated it, and because it was centered on Jesus Christ, now there's the possibility for fellowship, sharing your life with someone, further modeling your life to somebody else. Can I tell you something? The thing that's going to continue to grow New Life Church is not just good preaching behind this pulpit. But when people in the house of the Lord and in the body of Christ and the kingdom of God Fellowship with one another. Connect with one another. Live your life with one another to where your friend in the church, born again in the church, begins to model their life after you. And then you both are reaching new people. You're both teaching Bible studies. This is God's original plan. It's the kingdom connection. It's this thing called fellowship. This joint association that is spirit-originated, it is Jesus-centered. And it must be committed to. I pray often, God, help me to think 
fellowship. Help me not to just think me and my little routine, but help me to think fellowship. Is this making sense to somebody? And I'm going to tell you something. You have to think about it. We have to be proactive about it. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. I'm going I'm to finish with this. This kingdom connection of fellowship. L- l- listen very closely. We'll put it on the screen, but I want, you to, I want you to hear this. Fellowship does not mystically happen. It is extended. In Galatians chapter 2, when Paul takes his ministry partner Barnabas and Titus and goes to Jerusalem. The Bible says he goes to report the things that were happening in their ministry. And this was groundbreaking time for the early church because Peter had been sent as an apostle to the Jews. But now Paul has had a door of utterance opened up to him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. It's uncharted territory for the church. And so Paul, the apostle, being a submitted minister, decides he's going to come back to Jerusalem and he's going to report on what's happening among the Gentiles. He's not a maverick. He's not a lone ranger. He's not just doing his own thing and hook everybody else. He understands the power and the need for fellowship. And he comes back to Jerusalem. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 9 says this. When James, Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised or the Jews. Now think about this with me. Look, listen, everybody look right here. Think about how important, you say this, that's just a verse in Galatians, Pastor. No, 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 it's much deeper than that. I want to show you how important that one gesture was of fellowship. This man who has been mightily used of God to this point to reach the, 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 the Gentile world, the non-Jew world, is coming back to Jerusalem. And he is saying, here's what's happened. I'm submitting what has happened to you, my brothers. Look what has happened. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit that caused this to happen. The Bible says that James, Peter, and John, in that moment, in that sacred moment, extended to him, it's a kind of metaphorical statement here, the right hand of fellowship. I don't think it was just a handshake. But it was something in that moment that they looked at this man who had persecuted the church and had a radical transformation. And they said to him, we believe that what is happening from your life and ministry is from the Holy Ghost. And we draw you into us. We're now living life together in fellowship with one another. And Brother Isaiah, I take note of what the last part of that verse says. They gave them the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews.
Listen, I'm not trying to be overdramatic right now. But that one act of fellowship that was extended is why we're standing here today. I know, I don't know, I don't know all this crowd. We may have some Jewish people here, but probably, by and large, we're Gentiles. We're non-Jews. You know we're standing here today because someone thought enough of fellowship to draw someone in and say what's happening in your life is important and I want us to be knit together through the Holy Ghost and through the, the power of the name of Jesus. I want us to be in fellowship. Listen, it doesn't just happen because we come to church. We commit to it. We devote ourselves to it, just like teaching, just like doctrine, just like breaking of bread. And then we extend it to someone else. So here's my question today. First of all, the question to all of us, do we need to get in fellowship with God through the gospel and the spirit? Because that's where it starts. Because fellowship is spirit originated, we have to be in fellowship with God first. Do we need to get in fellowship with God through the gospel and the spirit? Number two, to whom this week can we extend fellowship? To whom? Now, I'm not insinuating that it's all going to happen right now, but I want you to do something that I don't have you do often. I want you to take about 15 seconds, and I want you to scan this audience right now. Just look around. y'all are looking at me like I'm okay with that as long as you look at someone else too who is it who is it this week that God would speak kind of nudge you and say you need to draw that person in I know I know well it's a guy gal standing right next to me you're probably already in fellowship with them that's good but who is the Lord challenging us in this week to draw in in fellowship? Because we got to devote to that, folks. We cannot expect Book of Acts results if we do not practice the Book of Acts pattern. And I'm just going to say it, and I'll be done. We'll go to lunch in just a minute. It's not just preaching and teaching. It's not just worship. It's not just giving. It's fellowship. That's in the list. That's in the line. That's in the priorities. Let's pray right now. Jesus, you've spoke to us today. I believe you've spoke to us today, God. I feel the witness of your spirit right now. I've done my best, God, to deliver what you've laid on my heart. And I pray in this moment right now that you would seal this word with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Lord, there are people that you're going to lay on someone else's heart this week. You're going to lay them on my heart to do more than just be their friend, shared interest. But it's going to go deeper than that. We're going to begin to exchange our lives with one another. Model Christ living with one another. Be the church. Not just practice church. Not just go to church, but be the church. I pray that would happen by the authority of the word of God. The power of the name of Jesus Christ. 
I wish you'd do this. I wish you'd just come quickly. We, we finish services like this many times. Wish you'd step out from where you are. Let's gather around this front. We're going to pray together one more time. We're going to sing a little bit. Then we're going to go home. We're going to get launched into this great week. Amen.